You're listening to the Luke Page Podcast, episode number two with Travis Osborne from MTS, which is Mobile Tire Shop. Uh, you make sure you click subscribe so you stay up to date with podcasts that I release every couple of weeks. And you can also find me on Instagram at Luke Page underscore underscore underscore. Okay, so Travis, I met Travis a couple of years ago. I um, He was actually on Shark Tank and I was watching an episode of it. And uh, yeah, he was on there pitching his business to the Sharks. And I recall after watching the episode, because Travis has a mobile tire shop, his company is they actually come out to you and actually change your tires on the spot as opposed to you having to go to the shop and leave your car there. After seeing Travis on on um, Shark Tank, I thought that's an awesome idea. And I actually had a, a slow leak in one of my tires. So um, I anyway, after the show, I, I Googled MTS, found them, found their number, called them up. Travis answered the phone and I had an interest in business, so I spoke to him about his experience on Shark Tank. Got them out, they did a great job, and I ended up going out to Travis's home at one stage as well because I used to work in the blinds and window furnishings industry, so I um, went out there to give him a quote on blinds. So in this episode, it's it's really it's an awesome one because like we get to learn Travis's story where he first began, you know, him working a job plus you know launching this business and building it on the side. You know, being a husband, a dad, uh, a business owner, the struggles that you have there to starting pretty much him doing everything in the business. Um, him only starting with one or two vans in Melbourne um, to growing all the way to a multi-million dollar company now, Australia-wide, over 30 vans. And um, I mean, it's it's only the beginning for these guys. Um, they've got massive plans for the future. So enough from me. Enjoy. Welcome to the Luke Page Podcast. I am here to inspire people to live a life that they love. It's why I do what I do. Join me on the pursuit of my last vision and my own business success through meeting amazing business owners, entrepreneurs, and forward-thinking people that are here to make impact and change the world. All right, everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Luke Page Podcast, where every single week I speak to new business owners and entrepreneurs and basically get their story on their journey on where they first started to where they are now how they built their business and today i have got my very first interview so it's a special one which is uh travis osborne um so yeah trav actually he owns a company called mts which is mobile tire shop so um real simple they're a tire service so if you have any issues with your tires they come out to you it's a really um, efficient and um, it's a service that you don't have to go into the actual shop and wait hours or spend the whole day there which is great I've used these guys several times I can vouch for them that they're really awesome um, he started this company probably about seven years ago or so 2012 we started 2012 uh, he went part-time for a number of years and he's grown from just humble beginnings one van doing it all himself doing the marketing doing the sales delivering the service doing the admin everything to now having how many vans on the road? We've got 33 vans on the road with 42 staff. 33 vans on the road, and that's national, it's Australia, right? So multi-million dollar company now, and he actually, um, early days, he was on the well-known Shark Tank and pitched his idea to the shark. So welcome, Travis Osborne. Thanks, Luke. Pleased to be on your first podcast. Mate, talk about like this, um, where did it all start? So take me back to about seven years ago when you first started this thing. So. Okay, it probably goes back even further than that. Growing up, my father had a plumbing business. He was self-employed. My grandfather had a bike shop in Hawthorne. 
So around the family was always about self-employed people. They were always building their small businesses. There was no such thing as the word entrepreneur. They were small business owners. And my parents were very good at talking openly about money, what it involved, the difficulties with staff, everything. And this was just common discussion around the table. I worked for 20 odd years working for other people, always with that frustration of wanting to be the boss. I was one of these employees, always felt that I could actually do it better than my bosses, but was never in that situation. I worked 20 years in the property industry, and then I worked as the development manager for Gloria Jean's Coffee of all people. Mm. And that involved franchising, business development, and assisting the franchisees growing their stores. And I felt a natural flair for doing, helping the businesses grow. And I always felt that I wanted to have my own business. My challenge was I couldn't find a business that I could, one was a big enough marketplace, and then it was also, it had to find something whereby, you know, like us all, we all want to get to the stage in life where it's actually, you've created something to on-sell or pass through the family. So being in real estate, it was always about, if I stopped working, my income stopped immediately. Being on sales commissions, while I enjoyed real estate, the challenge was I go on holidays for four weeks, my income stopped. So it was trying to create a business as opposed to a job. Right. I had aspirations and I probably over a period of five years wrote about 15 business plans and for some reason on different business ventures, we could never see it coming off. It was by pure mistake or default or something. I was on holidays over in America, walking along the street and a van pulls up in front of another car. Next thing, the front of the car gets lifted off the street. And I'm thinking to myself, this is New York, they're stealing the wheels. So I thought, <laughs> I wanna go and watch this, this is gonna be great. Yeah. Everyone's walking past, no one's even noticing anything different. With this, the gentleman's grabbed the front two tires off the car, front wheels. He's walked into his little van, and as I've looked in his van, he's got a complete workshop set up. Tire changes, balances, all the, all these things mm. that I had no idea even at the time what they were. What I did realise was he's gone and changed the front tyres of the car. Literally, the moment he's bolting the final wheel on, a guy walks out of a barber shop. So this guy's gone and had his hair cut. In the time that he's had his hair cut, he's had two wheels put on his car. Yep. Swipes his credit card and off he drives. I thought you were, it sounds like you're leaning into a joke there, mate. A bloke walks out of a barber shop and gets his eyes changed. Yeah, no. So I looked at that, didn't think too much of it. Yeah. I just assumed that's how it must happen. Mm. I hadn't noticed it in Melbourne before. Okay. I got home at the time, a couple of young children, um, busy, driving around with real estate, etc. Mm. And I knew I needed tyres. Tyres are the ultimate grudge purchase. You always put them off. You always assume they're going to last longer. Mm -hmm. and they're expensive. Mainly for me, the challenge was timing. I was booked out, kids were playing sport on weekends, those sort of things. So I thought I'll find one of these mobile crowds, get them to come over. There was an assumption that they may have been a little more expensive, but what I found was that there was no one there doing it. Mm. With that, I've jumped online just to sort of understand what was happening more in America. And there wasn't, to be quite frank, there wasn't a lot happening at the time in America also. But Europe, the industry was flying. Mm -hmm. There was a business over there that currently had, at that point, had 900 vans on the road. 
And I thought, well, hang on, if these guys can get 900 vans across the UK, mm. there must be an opportunity for a small business, run a few vans out of Melbourne, and that would be enough to support my family. So I've jumped on a plane, gone over to the UK, looked at the operation over there, and the technician, I ended up actually hiring a car, and I'd made a couple of calls to the company saying who I was, and would they allow me half an hour to come in and have a chat with them about their business. Mm-hmm. I got fobbed off very quickly, so I thought, what's the next best thing? I'll go and see this business in action. So I'm in the middle of London with a hire car. Next thing I've decided I'm going to slash the tyre of my own car. <laughs> really, it was the idea was get him out, get him watch the whole process of how he changes the tyre, etc. Uh. Not being an expert in slashing tar- car tyres, <laughs> what I've ended up doing is finding a little screwdriver in the boot of the car. As I've pushed it into the tyre, thinking it was easy, the tyre, the screwdriver's broken in my hand and actually pierced the side of my hand. So next thing I've got my hand bleeding, wrapped in a white T-shirt, phoning the tyre company to come out. Mm. So the business almost didn't take off from the first time because a lady, as I've punctured the tyre, mm. a lady's seen me puncturing the tyre and she's gone and called the police. Right, thinking, yeah. Thinking I'm, you know, slashing someone's tyres. Yeah. Sure yeah. enough, I was lucky enough the tyre guy arrived. Uh, As it worked out, he was really talkative, telling me how great their business was and how fast it was growing. Uh, Enabled me to take a couple of photographs of what they were doing and how they their business was going. Mm. I came home back to Melbourne. A lot of people in business talk about getting a business plan and the structure mm-hmm. of how to grow the business. Mm-hmm. I'm a very big believer of MVP, which is mm-hmm. minimum viable product. Mm. What I looked at, I said, what is the easiest and simplest way mm-hmm. I could actually go and prove this business model before I invest heavily? Yeah. Uh, mind you, at this time, young family, all the commitments of being a father, etc. Mm. And so it was what I decided to do was I thought I needed a minimum of two vans. Yep. So I was working full time in my real estate business. And I've gone and launched myself a website, right. two vans, built a website, took three or four months to get it right. I thought mm-hmm. it was perfect. Yep. First day we've launched the website, sitting in the office waiting for that phone call because someone's definitely going to want to buy tires from us. Yeah. Not even a phone call. Yeah. I got a call from a, a relative saying, oh, I've got a puncher. Can you come and fix that? Mm. So the first week, I think we did one puncher and one tire. Right, yeah. So I'm thinking, oh my goodness, yeah. by that time I've gone and leased two vehicles, I've got two employees working yeah. for me, yeah. and I thought, hang on, this might have been the biggest mistake. Mm. What I did was really essentially trusted my gut and said, well, first point was, how do you get the phone to ring? Mm. Clearly, online was just coming about. Mm-hmm. Even it's very different now, it's a lot more expensive, yeah. but it was just starting that on. I hadn't heard of AdWords, I hadn't heard of SEO, any of these things were all completely new. Um, I was a simple real estate agent and it was a learning process very quickly, mainly through necessity. What I found was once people started getting out involved, as a small business, it was getting involved in the local Auskick, the local community was going to be my first real target market. Mm, Tire industry is interesting because it's a $5 billion market in Australia. And me quite naively said, well, $5 billion, oh, I can get 1% of that market. Um, But if nobody knows you exist, Mm. unlike a tire store where you've got 
20,000 cars driving past a day. Mm. We were a website. Mm -hmm. Nobody was even looking for mobile tyres. So we went through a whole process of reinventing ourselves Mm -hmm. a couple of times. So the first two years, it sort of... My fortunately, the real estate business was paying for the tyre business. Mm-hmm. So, but I was working essentially two full time jobs at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, late nights, all those sort of things. Yeah. Um, certainly, my advice going into small business. Yeah. A lot of people going with the idea of not working as hard, all those things. Mm-hmm. Reality is, it's going to always cost you twice as much as you think, mm-hmm. and you're going to be working three times harder than you thought you ever were going to work. Yeah. yeah. So. We would, Luke and I were talking earlier, you've got to find something you really enjoy doing because mm. you're going to be doing it a hell of a lot. Okay. So it was really the first, you know, I look back now almost cynically on those first period thinking how naive I was. What I did know was the concept was pretty straightforward in that people were time poor. We operate what is we refer to as the Webjet of tyres where we've got all the major brands now supporting our website. You go onto the site, enable you to pick your tyres, then you book an appointment and book an appointment and one of our vans comes out. So it's changed very much over seven years. There's certainly no substitute for hard work, but what we found very quickly was get a good marketing company involved Mm -hmm. and it's a lot about the strategy that goes behind it as opposed to just going out and spending. Mm. In the early days, we went and saved up some money, told my wife we're going to go and do this advertising campaign on radio. Mm -hmm. The radio went through, didn't have any results whatsoever. And I've looked at myself and said, gee, we've just blown $30,000, which was the overdraft on the house. Mm. Um, And we just thought, wow, what have we done? But generally and gradually, um, it started to build all it probably was 18 months into the business before we actually realized we had a viable model mm-hmm. from there it's just essentially snowballed and we keep pushing every day um, business is currently growing 10 percent per month mm-hmm. uh, month on month so there's very few businesses in any industry at the moment that are growing 300 percent a year but we've got such a massive marketplace but we really stick to the basics of of business yeah, awesome. And I've got a question because we were talking about the passions before, right? So this was born purely out of an idea you saw an opportunity based off you being, where would you say that you were? I originally saw it in New York. New York, yeah. yeah. You saw something occur where someone walked out of a barbershop and had their car tires being changed while they're getting their hair cut. So that's where you saw, okay, that's needed. There's nothing like that back from where I live. So talking about passions, right? Because... Um, is like, did you have a passion in tyres prior to that? I was always interested in cars. Yeah. And I enjoyed my cars and things. I, at that point, I'd never even changed a tyre of my own car, mm. let alone someone else's car or anything like that. Mm. What I did realise, my passion was for growing businesses. Um, I saw a market that was massive. Um, I suppose I'm one of these people that did the, t- the pub test talking to my friends at, over a drink, and I said, if someone came to your house and changed your tyres, would you like that? Fantastic. Then they said, oh, no, but you'd pay a lot more for it. The interesting thing we found out very quickly was we could actually provide that service for the same price as a tyre store. 
they've got all the costs associated with a bricks and mortar store. They're paying the rents. They're, they're holding stock. All the things that this business could do mm. um, to enable it. We're a logistics business mm-hmm. where we where essentially we sell the product straight out of the manufacturer's warehouse to the to the customer. We're not we're agnostic as far as brand goes. We'll work with the customer to actually say what brand is best for their car, uh, as opposed to selling you what's on our shelf. So we don't have the costs of holding stock. We don't have the real estate costs, mm-hmm. which has enabled us to provide this service at the same price price as a retail store. Okay. So you were saying that early stages you got around the community football club clubs and then just sponsored the clubs and got your sign up and put the name on the jumpers, that type of thing to get the awareness around that community. And then you moved on to Google AdWords. Was that a major driver for you, was it? We started Google AdWords with a budget of $1,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I could do it myself. Mm. I realized very quickly it is a specialist art and a science. Uh, and that that thousand dollars wasn't going anywhere. Uh, we're signif- we're certainly doing significantly more than that at the moment. Mm. But it is you need to get somebody who knows what they're doing with it. Mm. We're selling like AdWords, especially AdWords. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, has, would you say that AdWords is one of your biggest sources when it comes to avenues when it comes to marketing? Ninety-seven percent of our advertising is through AdWords. Okay. Is there is there an area where you're like you would like to get into it that you're not really doing so much right now? Like a, a is maybe like social media, for example. Like, is there another avenue where you're like, okay, like for, moving forward, future wise, do you see that you're going to stick to AdWords and that's going to be a major driver and focus, or do you feel that? okay, there is an opportunity with social or there is an opportunity with somewhere else or SEO or whatever it is. There definitely has to be the other opportunities. What we've found is AdWords over a period of time, year on year, the costs of running AdWords are increasing by 10 to 20% a year. Mm. It will get to the point where it's unviable to run just AdWords. So you need a branding campaign, other forms of media. Social is always tough in the tyre industry because no one gets excited about tyres. It's not like, I've got a friend who does designer furniture, for example. Mm. He builds a chair and he gets 70,000 likes of a chair. And I just think, my goodness, how does he do it? Mm. But then if we put up that one of our customers bought tyres, mm-hmm. it's not something you're really going to share with your friends at a barbecue. Mm. It is a grudge purchase. Mm-hmm. We are there primarily selling the convenience mm. of a better way of getting it done. Yeah, I mean, because I, I was saying earlier that I've used you guys um, a number of times, probably four times over the years. And what I loved about you is that it is so convenient where you would expect, okay, if it's going to be coming to you, you're going to pay a premium for it. But I found that wasn't the case. The, the prices are great. And then you would come out to my home or workplace and it gets done while I'm working or while I'm watching TV or working out or whatever it is, which is great because that's a major edge that you have over the guys, the, you know, the big shops where you go to because, you know, everyone's so busy these days. Yeah. One of the big things for us is we decided we needed to be available when the customer wanted us. Mm-hmm. So the business now runs seven days a week, so you get your tyres done on a Sunday, but we also operate from 7am till 7pm. Okay. And how's it gone since, like, because you were the first to market in Australia, right? Which when you're with the first to market, well, I guess it's tricky because you're almost putting the idea in people's minds and they don't know about it but then the advantage is that well there's no competition or there's low competition 
now that there's more people in the market, how are you how are you standing out from everyone else and keeping customers, keeping them coming back? And having that point of difference. Okay. What I say to my staff is there's presently approximately 2,200 locations in Australia where you can buy your tyres. Those tyres are black, they're round, and generally most retailers sell within a few dollars either side. Those tyres are sold at the same price. What we're selling is service and convenience, which will always hold us in front of the competitors. What we've also found is that the... Um, that service is simple. You do what you say you're going to do. If you say you're going to be there at 10 o'clock, we make sure we're there at 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Unlike a lot of these delivery businesses, when I first started, they said, oh, we'll have a, we'll have a service person there between 10 a.m. and lunchtime, or it'll be between 8 a.m. and 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. We give our customers an exact time. There are situations where we're running, we get caught up on a previous job, it is all about communication. Mm. If that customer knows that we're going to be 10 minutes late, while it's disappointing, at least the customer's aware of what we're doing. All of our technicians are tracked with GPS, mm-hmm. and our technology now enables us to see and alerts come up if any of them are going to be late for jobs, but we can follow the whole day to ensure that if there's been a bottleneck somewhere with one of the jobs, what effect it has on the rest of the jobs during the day, And as soon as we know there's an issue, we talk to the customer. A lot of this business is about communication and setting expectations. Once you've set those expectations, you really need to stick by them because that's what the customer will remember you for. Awesome, mate. And and what would the, if you had to describe MTS for say, like the values of MTS, what would you, what would, what what would they be? For someone that has no idea who you guys are, what, 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 what are your top values? Really, the number one value is what I just mentioned then was doing what you say you were going to do when you were going to do it. Um, it's all about custom. We are very customer centric in all our processes. We really look at the customer experience first and then work backwards as to how we will service that customer. One of our initial challenges was when we told our suppliers that we wanted to offer the customer the same day service. Generally in the tyre industry, most tyre stores were getting one delivery a day and they'd say, oh, the delivery will come at about nine o'clock. That delivery might arrive between nine and two in the afternoon. So the the owner of the tyre store never knew when he could fit those tyres. We said regimentedly that we went back to these tyre companies and said, that's not good enough for our business. We need to be able to tell that customer exactly when those tyres are going to be fitted. So it's, it took us two or three years to educate our suppliers that when they said nine o'clock delivery, that meant five to nine mm. and not 10.30. Mm-hmm. So we've had to work with our suppliers to educate them the way we run our business. Uh, but the main values in the business are just very simple. The customer is number one. Yep. It's treat the customer as you expect. And while it sounds a cliche, um, we're very focused on our Google reviews. Currently, we're sitting at 4.9 stars with about 400 reviews on Google. Mm. Um, We're with product review as well. A lot of that, we learn a lot from what's happening out on the field by our reviews. Okay. And how do you, what's your your strategy to actually get the review? Because I know there's probably five years ago when reviews weren't so massive. 
uh, it was a lot easier to get a review. Now when you buy a product, I know I personally do, I get smashed by leave us a review, leave us a review, leave us a review. It's pretty rare that I leave a review now just because there's so many. So a company really has to do a special job. What's your strategy to actually get a review? Really what we're finding is the customer is genuinely pleased with our service. Mm. Um, and they're actually volunteering the review. Um, and I read all the reviews personally. We have an internal um, checklist and with the reviews of how they're responded to, etc. But we also acknowledge the our staff when they do get a review and there's movie tickets at the end of the month and bonuses for them based on their service they are providing to the customer. We also do a lot of mystery shopping where we have... We, we know people who are getting their tyres done and they we offer them a re, the ability to write a full review and checklist of how we go. Mm-hmm. It's those one percenters that really make the difference. Yeah. Okay, and what about what is, um, we know what, what MTS is, what isn't MTS? There's an assumption, there's, because we're new to the market, what we've actually realised is we call ourselves a mobile tyre shop, which... Initially, I thought everyone must understand what a mobile tyre shop is. There's the assumption that we're a roadside assistance business. We, it's not a primary part of the business. However, if you do have a puncture, we will come out and assist you. What we find, that side of the business is very much marketing. Mm. Once we've done the right thing, we've helped the customer out on the side of the road. Generally, we're finding us those customers are coming back to us at the point where they require tyres. There's also, there's companies selling tyres online that will send four tyres out to your front door. Mm-hmm. You've got to put the kids out and throw the kids out of the back seat, put the tyres on the back seat, drive around and get them. What we are is a one-stop shop for replacing of your tyres. Gotcha. Okay, so the main focus is to replace the tyres, but it's almost, say, for example, the puncher, which is a common thing. You guys are willing to maybe make a loss to get that customer, build the relationship. So, you know, when that inevitable time comes to replace the rest of the tyres, you're going to be front of mind because you've done a great job with the puncher. Yeah. Is that the case? For our business, we look at the life value of that customer. Mm, mm-hmm. Generally, we find if we've been able to help one of the, might be the husband or the wife, we end up doing the partner's tyres, the children's tyres. Um, Luke, you're a classic example. I think mm. we started off with a puncher repair at your work. Yeah. At the time when your car required new tyres, mm-hmm. uh, we came out and did the four tyres. Um, as a sales business, you were on the road and valued your time. Mm-hmm. What people, the biggest message we've got for people is it's the same price as going to a store. And that's one of the big misapprehensions of why our model works so well. Mm. Um, yeah, it's nice, the convenience, but you don't want to be paying for it as well mm. uh, when money's tight. I love that because it's like if like because my tires are not too far off now and I mean there's nowhere else I'll go so for anyone listening to this think about what is regarding your product or service what's something where you can you be prepared to you know make nothing even make a loss or give away your service for free where you can just have that entry to building the trust and relationship with your client and you know that when they're ready, when their pain's great enough uh, and they're ready to purchase and make a bigger purchase is that you're going to be the first person. It's a really good strategy. Um, so talking about Shark Tank for a second, mate, because that's where I first, because I I, I, um, I used to sell blinds. So I, I did a quote for Travis years and years ago with blinds. And I, 
I was um I noticed him from from Shark Tank because he was on the the TV show. So, mate, tell us about your your like that experience. Like, yeah. what? How did you get onto it, and and what was it like? Shark Tank was a very interesting experience. In fact, when I went on it, I didn't even know I was going on a TV show. What I did do, I just recently started the business, and there was an advertisement in one of the online magazines that essentially said, are you looking to grow your business? Are you looking for investment in your business to help you grow? And I actually thought it might have been one of the banks or one of the financial institutions looking as a feeder to find uh, loans, etc. And out of curiosity, I thought, I'll fill this in. I then subsequently had a phone call from a producer and I'm thinking to myself, what's a producer doing with home loans or business loans? Mm. And sure enough, they explained it was a new series that was coming to Australia. I had been always fairly entrepreneurial, uh, had been watching the series in the US, so I was familiar with the business. Um, and I was asked to come out and present in Melbourne uh, for an audition. So I thought, this will this will be interesting. <laughs> and at the audition, there were two parties. There was a producer... His role in the audition was to see, is it interesting? Will it attract attention on television? Mm. And then there was a business manager. His role was actually to look at the business model and say, well, actually, is there a viable business there? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, both of them agreed. Next thing, it was, what are we going? I think it was the November in 2012 or Mm. 13. Mm. I get the call to come to Sydney for the show. What a lot of people don't realise is they see a nine-minute episode. I was in front of the Sharks for an hour and 40 minutes. Um, They literally know nothing of you before the show. Um, And fortunately, the business model, which I always knew was strong, we presented and on the show I got two offers for investment. On the show I accepted the offer. Subsequently, when we got to the paperwork stage, we, we agreed to disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I chose not to take that investment at the time. Right. Um, it was a big call for myself, thinking mm. I always saw the value in the business. Um, as a little anecdote, had those investors invested, they would have seen about a 20 times return on their investment over three years. Mm. But at the same time, I've got a lot of respect for them, what they do. Mm-hmm. But it just wasn't suitable timing for both of us at the time. Okay, and, and do you record what the offer was from them? I it was, I've watched the video a couple of times. Mm. It was two hundred and fifty thousand mm. dollars for ten percent. Ten percent, yeah. And I have to say, when you're a small business operator uh, with a young family, that two hundred and fifty thousand dollars is a lot of money. Mm. Um, but strategically, I always felt what we were doing with the business, um, we were looking for bigger and greater things further down the track. I really, at that time, probably wouldn't even known how to spend the money. Mm. Um, They're asking for P&L reports and um, profit and loss reports and all equity, all these different reports. I was a single um, business owner and I was running half the reports on a sheet of paper and maybe an Excel spreadsheet. So all of a sudden it made me actually realise that to step up the business as well, mm. you need to invest in the systems and get your financing side of it. If you need to, get a good accountant, but you always need to have your finances instead. Mm. Um, mine was probably a bit messy at the time, and I realise now 
mm. how important that is to understand your cash flows, etc. Yes, I mean it's one one of the things that I talk about with um, you know my niche, which is coaches, is that um, very basic stuff. But knowing your finances, it's one of the most important thing. And it's usually an area that people neglect or don't even worry about. But I mean, it's at the end of the day, a business is here to make money, and if you don't have the money coming in and you don't know where it's going, like you, it's it's that's just ridiculous. It's stupid. So, um, who were the sharks that were actually interested? I did the deal on the show with. In fact, I got three offers. Yeah. I did the deal with Steve Baxter mm-hmm. and John McGrath, who was McGrath Real Estate. Yep. He was just in the first series. Um, both of them fantastic guys, mm. uh, and really, you know, they've got incredible track records. Um, certainly, I could see the opportunity. The interesting thing about exposure on Shark Tank, the next day, if you if you step back, it was myself running the business, and I had two technicians driving the vans. The next day, I've got my brother, my parents, all answering the phones. We had 700 phone calls within 24 hours of going on the show for people <laughs> wanting tyres. Yeah. So we counted all the phone calls. Oh, well. We've, my background, you know, I spent some time in franchising as well, and the initial model was to franchise these vans. Mm. So what I did was on our website, we put a little franchise application. We still didn't know which direction we were heading, but we had the opportunity of the exposure of Shark Tank we received 320 written franchise applications within two weeks of the show going to air. Wow. So, That's but, nuts. But for reasons, at the time, I wasn't ready, mm. and I was more concerned about taking someone's money mm. when I still didn't know what direction we were heading. Mm. So we chose not to proceed with the franchising model. Mm. Uh, all our staff are employees, which has its benefits and its negatives. And like going on Shark Tank, right? What was your ultimate goal, like, and what was your intent to go on there? Like, was it exposure? Was it okay? I actually want to, I want to get these guys on board, so I have an, a, a partner that you know is really experienced and in the industry, and they can help me out and support me. Is it to financially get support? Like, what was the the main intent there? For me, it was about exposure. Mm. Yes, it, the money was always sitting in the back of my mind, but it was really going on. It gave me the ability, one, two, and actually the week before the show, I actually sat down and said, what is it about the business? What's its magic source? What makes it different from other businesses? It actually gave me a lot of time to understand the business because I knew those questions were all going to be asked on the show. Mm. And it actually helped me rehearse my elevator pitch Mm. really about the business um, in as few words as possible, which is difficult for me. Well, it's difficult for a lot of people because I mean, messaging, right? One of the most important things because you know when you when you speak to someone face to face, if you can't tell them in a really clear, succinct, defined way what you do, then you're going to struggle to get that same message through your marketing and everything like that. So, I mean, that's funny you say that because sometimes where you know as business owners when we're first starting out. There's no reason for us to get our message out really clearly. We can kind of jumble through things. So that's probably it was good practice for you to, to do all that because maybe you didn't have a reason to, to actually practice it and to know all your stats and your figures and everything like that. Um, so did, would you say that Shark Tank was a really key point in you know taking this business to the next level? Oh, 100%. Yeah. It was all of a sudden the focus was there. I... I really knew at that point, with the right exposure, 
if I could get 700 people thinking, that's a great idea, I want to buy tyres from this business, we knew the market was there. Yeah. From that point, we our AdWords spend went to $10,000 a month, mm. and from there, it's it's tenfold that now. Yeah. That's cool because I mean I'm I'm just thinking you know what am I learning here and you know the right exposure and I'll be looking at okay how can I get my business exposed because you wouldn't have to you didn't have to pay for that all you had no, to pay for was trip airfares and accommodation probably I didn't even pay for that it's all paid it's for. all paid for it's all paid for so the number one exposure that really elevated the business the growth of this business was for free. 100%. PR is a massive opportunity for businesses. Mm, mm. And in most cases, if you've done well, it's free. Yeah. Um, the journalists are all looking for reasons to write articles. Um, who knows, you can do, end up doing a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Would you say that the Shark Tank experience was uncomfortable? Oh, they were definitely there to have you challenged. Yeah. In the show, it actually looked like at one point I was almost crying. That wasn't the case. <laughs> <laughs> it was what people forget was I was in front of the sharks for an hour and 40 minutes. Mm. You've got four very established business people who know their stuff. Mm. They were there to drill you, test your metal. But at the same time, there was 14 studio lights looking of, above you. We we're in the middle of December when we filmed the show. I think the studio was about 55 degrees. <laughs> yes. I think the producers probably liked it like that because it actually created that tension in, mm. the, in the studio. Mm. Um, but they were there to test not only the business model, they want to know the owner of the business or the entrepreneur or whatever the word is you want to use. They've got that ability because it is tough times in business. Mm. I say, anyone listen to this, just think about it. How can you create more exposure with your business and doing it in a smart, way, intelligent way where not necessarily you have to outlay dollars because, you know, if we're starting a business, you know, the, the, the cash is what we don't necessarily have early on. So we've got to be smart around this. So how can you create more exposure? And generally what I think it's going to be is really putting yourself out there and it's going to be a testing and uncomfortable and challenging situation for it to happen. Nothing's going to come comfortable. So um, what would you say, like leading towards wrapping this up, Trav, what would you say the, what would be the most important traits a business owner would have to, someone that's new to business starting up early stages, what do you, what do you think the, the most important traits are to have to be successful and to grow to the levels that they want to grow to? The number one point, and I look at myself as a business owner and say what I do is not overly special. It is you've just got to put that customer up on a mantle. They are the number one reason for you being in business, and you have to put your yourself in their position. What do they want as a from a service from a business? And we just looked at it and said it's all about convenience and that hassle of having to take your whether it be a tyre store like our business, it's what can we do different. Uh, we use the time, we, we use the term internally, we want to zig when the others zag. Right. We know we can't outspend the major tyre companies on budget, mm -hmm. on marketing, etc. What can we do that's different? What can we do that's different? That's, that's awesome. And know your USP. Mm -hmm. And USP is? Unique, what is it? Unique selling, um, selling point. point. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so know, know your unique selling point, which is which is awesome. Again, um, so 
think about it. What is your USB? What is your unique selling point? What makes you different? What makes you stand out towards the rest, anyone else that's in your industry or competitors? Because if you don't have a USB, again, it's clearly defined that if someone you know, wakes you up in the middle of the night, you're sleeping, wakes you up at 3 a.m., bangs you on the head and goes, what's your USP? And if you can't answer that, then you're doing yourself a major disservice, would you say? You need to answer it in less than one sentence. One sentence. One sentence. Less than one sentence. Less than one sentence. There we go. Okay. And then, um, I mean, what, what advi- if you, look, what's the number one advice that you'd have for, you know, new entrepreneurs, early stage business owners? Number one advice you'd have for them? My advice is trust your gut. Really back yourself. There are going to be positions where when I really started the business, I spoke to a lot of people and they were saying, oh, no, these are the reasons why it won't work. And everyone gave me a reason why it wouldn't work. Very few people actually said go for it. Mm. And it was more tenacity. The fact that they said it wasn't going to work was really why I pushed it harder. Wow, that would have been tough. So you just your belief was that strong that no matter what anyone said, you're just, I'm going to make this thing work. Either belief or foolishness, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's it. All right, mate. Um, well, and lastly, where can everyone find you? So anyone that, uh, yeah, the, anyone, because you're Australia-wide now. We're Australia-wide. We yeah. operate Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide and Perth, mm-hmm. all major capital cities. They can go to our website at mobiletireshop.com.au or give our call centre a call on one three hundred. 687 000. Awesome, Trav, mate. Thanks for coming on board. Appreciate it. Luke, glad to be on your first podcast. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Hey there. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Make sure you click subscribe to stay up to date with podcasts that I release every couple of weeks. And if you've enjoyed the, the episode, please, I really, really appreciate it if you leave me a review. And you can also find me on Instagram at LukePage underscore underscore underscore.